This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Thank you, Dave. Continuing chronologically through the whole Bible. Again, Solomon wrote, but did not include this in his book. 200 years later, the men of Hezekiah added it back into from records that they had found from Solomon. So Solomon did write it, but he did not include it intentionally. Proverbs 28, verse 16. Proverbs 28, verse 16. The prince that wanteth understanding is also a great oppressor. And we don't have princes today, but we've learned in studying Proverbs that any authority falls under these categories. So whoever the person in authority is who lacks understanding is also a great oppressor. I'm not going to ask you how many of you have ever worked for a boss that did not understand the job, but he was charged to telling you how to do it. Okay? This past week, I had a chance to talk to the new number one guy at Lake Apopka Natural Gas. They brought him in because no one at Lake Apopka Natural Gas knew what he knew. Talking to him, it's like listening to French because he knows so much about the gas industry. It occurred to me, the reason he knows it, and by the way, he's 10 years younger than me, it occurred to me the reason he knows it is because he took the time to learn it. I didn't. It's a bottom line. He took the time to learn it, and I didn't. Last week, we saw verse 15 in the same chapter, as a roaring lion and a raging bear, also as a wicked ruler over the poor people. Now, this is very, very interesting. In 16, he wants understanding. In 15, he's wicked. I submit to you, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Now, how could it be the same thing to not know as it is to be horrible? It's because not knowing is, it's un, what's the word? Inexcusable. Not knowing is inexcusable. We all have the opportunity to learn. Now, that being said, how could not learning be so wicked? Wicked is simply not seeking Jesus. Over and over and over, we see that through the book of Proverbs. Simply seek Jesus. It, will, it, it does. It surprises me so often how that seeking Jesus will bring up answers in regular everyday life just because He'll reveal them. Now, typically, it's not magic. Typically, it's just Him bringing it to mind. Um, this is what I used to call Jesus Prince. I've put these in uh, in a long time, but I'm tempted to go back and count how many I've got. It's, it's, it's a bunch. It's a bunch. But just seeking Jesus will solve a lot of problems. Those who don't seek Jesus have no reason to be kind. We talked about that last week. They're wicked. They want understanding. Why? Because they don't seek Jesus. There's no reason to be kind. America is a wonderful example of leaders who want understanding. We started with Jesus, and thank God we did. History books 
are doing the best to erase our religious heritage. Yep. They're doing the best that they can, and it's working. Mm -hmm. I did not know you could rewrite history, but sometimes I wonder how much history outside of the Bible is even true, because so much of it has been rewritten. History is written by the winner. The loser never has a chance to put any input into it. And so as we look back over this, like, I wonder how much we actually have that's true outside of Scripture. God protected Scripture. I, I got a feeling there's a lot of our history we just are mistaken on. Yep. We started with Jesus. That's a historical fact. But as he is pushed out, justice is twisted more and more at all levels. And we see that. I've seen that in my own lifetime. Justice is twisted at all levels as people stop seeking Jesus. We want to have God bless us, but we don't want to bless Him. God bless America. Whenever you see that, no. America bless God, and America refuses that. They don't want it. And that's why the problems continue to come. But he that hateth covetousness Hezekiah's men here are starting a section on getting ahead by cutting corners. That's what all these have in common based on my study. He that hateth covetousness shall prolong his days. Do godly people have longer lives? Don't answer out loud. Do godly people have longer lives? Isaiah 53.10 that Ray read a few minutes ago will answer it. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. This is speaking of Jesus. How old was Jesus when he died? 33. 33. So how was his days prolonged? His days were prolonged in the exact same way as Proverbs 28.16. Folks, death does not end life. That being said, for an unsaved person, death is only the beginning of death. Yep. Logically, the way that people think today, there is nothing after death, and so don't worry about it. Focus on today. Those people better be right. They better be right. 17. A man that doeth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit. Fleeing implies being chased. He's going to worry himself to death even if he's not physically chased. I've never committed a crime that I was wanted for. In other words, I did something, but then the police had to come find me to get me. But how terrifying would that be to know that at any moment they could show up? That would be awful. A man that doeth violence to the blood of any person shall flee to the pit, even if he's never caught. Let no man stay him. This is important. Do not help him. Now, this is easy. We don't want to help somebody that does violence. What if he's a family member? Again, he's talking about cutting corners. There are things that we do for family we wouldn't do for other people. So would we protect a family member? Would we assist a family member? I hope I never have to find out. But I would hope that I would not. I would hope. I would not. 
because helping someone who has done wrong encourages them to do wrong again. Okay? Let no man stay him. Don't protect him. At the very least, point him in the direction of this is what's going to begin to make it better. Go, just give yourself up. I hope that I don't have to do this with a family member. I really don't. 18. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. Now let that one sink in for a minute. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. This is not the same as saved in the New Testament. Absolutely not, because no one can be saved by works. So therefore, you can't be saved by walking uprightly, but at the same time, he is teaching something. If this is getting saved, it contradicts the entire rest of the Bible. We cannot allow any scripture to contra contradict any other scripture. We've got to study it and find out what in the world does it mean. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved. We're going to just set that to the side for a second. But he that is perverse in his ways. Perverse is not just for perverse. It simply means crooked, smooth, slippery. He that takes... Shuck words. Shuck I cannot talk this morning. He cuts corners. He that is perverse in his ways shall fall at once. In understanding the first line, folks, this is the key. That word fall. Proverbs is how things usually work, even among the unsaved. The opposite of falling is not falling. The upright are saved from falling into trouble. Now, that does fit. That does fit. As I look back over my life, there's been several times I cut corners because I thought I had to, but never did it work out the way I thought I was going to. Never. Almost always, cutting corners creates a bigger problem because now that corner has to be addressed some way, somehow, or avoided totally, completely. Usually, again, the uprighter saved from falling into trouble. Uh, Jesus fell into a lot of trouble. Okay, so don't expect that we're going to have something Jesus did not have himself. 19. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. We saw this in Proverbs 12, 11, 24, 27, and 27, 23 through 27. Exactly the same principle. If you want to have something, you got to do the work. Our job as parents and friends is to make sure those we care about can provide for themselves seeking God's help. That's our job as parents and friends. I submit to you it's our job as church members as well. Make sure that those we care about can provide for themselves as they use God's help. Now, without God's help, they're not going to provide for themselves. They're going to have to cut corners. The only way to provide for ourselves not cutting corners is to seek Jesus, and that's our job as family and friends. This often takes tough love, and I, I'm, I'm almost confident that in every case, at some point, tough love has to be exercised. I, I've never experienced anyone who naturally was a good person and naturally just acted right in society. Almost everyone, particularly the teen years, has some sort of rebellion, some sort of thing where somebody's got to stand up to them and say, stop, you're doing the wrong thing. It often takes tough love, but if we don't, if we don't, poverty is in their future. Now let that one soak in. If we don't, poverty is in their future. 
What causes crime? If you listen to the news, poverty causes crime. I submit to you, crime causes poverty. According to that, crime causes poverty. What causes crime? Sin. That's what causes crime. That's why they're so rampant. 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Blessing is the cause to prosper. These are natural results of being a good employee. This is not necessarily a saved man. I don't know if my new boss is saved or not. I look forward to spending time with him in the future and maybe finding out. I'm hoping he's the kind of Christian that will actually bring it out on his own. If he's not, how do you get where he is if he didn't get blessings? Natural results of being a good employee. There are things that people who bite their tongue, people who do the work, even if they think it's stupid, there's things they enjoy that other people don't enjoy at work. That's all that's saying. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. There is no way to avoid work. In America, we think that if you're smart, you can avoid work, but you'll find out that you just have to work with a different part of your body. You've got to use your brain, and it's a lot. What about the Steve Jobses, um, the, um, um, the tech guys that got so rich off of inventing a website? Read their stories and find out how much work they put into that. It was way more than just typing a few lines and saying, all right, I'm first. It's not what it is at all. Just to keep the thing running takes a massive amount of work. Just to keep a competitor from stealing your idea takes a massive amount of work. There is no way in this country to avoid work, with one exception. This one makes me angry. This one will make you angry, but it's not going to be a surprise to you because almost all of us know someone who has fallen into this trap. The one exception to where you can get ahead without hard work is deceiving people out of their money. Now, this happens a lot, especially online. The Internet is loaded with these people, and the government does nothing about it, and I don't understand that. They do nothing about it. On my phone right now, I keep every single call that ever came in on my phone. Just keep it there. Every single email I keep. I'll bet you there's a hundred scammers that I could tell you exactly where they called from. I've turned them into the FBI. Not all of them, but some of them. You know what the FBI says? What do you want us to do? Justice will come. He that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Justice will come. I depend on that because this is one area that makes me angry that the government, anybody, no one's addressing this and I just don't understand it. Until then, stop trusting people we don't know. Stop trusting people. Now, somewhere along the line, my generation was taught 
to respect people, but we turned it into trusting them. There's a difference between respect and trust. Respect says, I'm not going to talk mean to you, but trust, Scripture says don't trust anybody except God. Don't trust anybody. There is no refund. This is the most common way that people give up their money. They think they're getting their own money. This makes me so angry. On YouTube, you can type in scamming the scammers and hear hours and hours and hours and hours of these calls. I'm with, you name it, Walmart. You purchased something and you overpaid. We want to give you back what you overpaid. Who wouldn't do that? This is so common. Just to prove we're not a scam, you log into your website. You type in the amount of the, of the refund. See, I'm in control. I'm getting my own money back. So you do it. Immediately. You messed up. You messed up. You typed in too much money. You're taking our money now. In every case, it's $300 transferred to $30,000 or some variance of that. It's always at least $100 and it's never over $1,000. But what they do is they add a zero to whatever it is that you typed in and say you messed up. Now, you just got money from me that you don't owe or that you didn't earn. Now, you've got to give it back to me. This is how the scam works. If we see this as greed, if we see this as greed, if we don't see it as greed, because it's ours, we, i got to get past this. Okay. They talk us into accessing our bank account and then work in the background, and that's where the danger comes in. We think it's our money. Then we think we made a mistake. And so they talk us into giving their money back, which never happened. This has happened in my family. In my family. There is no emergency. Never make decisions quickly. And that is so, so important. Every single scam requires immediate action. Every single phishing event on the online requires immediate action. They want you to do something without thinking. They want you to trust that what they're saying is true and you've got to do it or you're going to get in trouble. Never, ever, ever act quickly. Disable online banking. I've not heard this brought up much. But in my opinion, this is the best way to stop scammers, is to totally disable online banking. Just totally stop it. You say, well, that's kind of backwards, isn't it? Ask yourself how much you use online banking. If you need it, you need it. But most people don't need it. That's just how their bank is set up. They got online banking. If you can get to your account online, they can get into your account online just by talking to you and deceiving you. Just disable it altogether unless you need it. It will prevent being able to be tricked. 
Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in a multitude of counselors, they are established. If they won't let us take time to discuss it with family, there's a hook inside. Who is the demographic that loses more money than anybody else that scams? Older people. Older people. They are the people that typically have money saved because their generation was taught to save. They are depending on a lot of that money to fund their life. They don't know how long their life is going to last, so they've got some money in the bank. And these scammers go after them every <coughs> single time. Again, scamming the scammers on YouTube, it will just make you so angry. If they won't let us take time to discuss it with family, hang up. It's proper to be rude to these people. What? It's proper to be rude to these people because they are not innocent. We assume that everybody's a good person. There is no such thing as a good person. It's just not there. Those people cut corners from what you have and they take it and they get away with it. This, it just it makes me so, so angry. To have respect of persons is not good, for for a piece of bread, that man will transgress. What I'm going to present to you now, in this church, is not going to be a surprise, but on sermon audio, they're going to get mad, and so uh, I'm ready. Just hear me out. Some will show favoritism for any bribe. We know that to be true. Proverbs 24, 23. These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect of persons in judgment or justice. Acts 10.34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Romans 2.11, There is no respect of persons with God. But doesn't sovereign grace teach that God does choose some over others? Again, in this church, it's not a big surprise. This is stuff we've heard over and over and over. But doesn't sovereign grace teach that God does choose some over others, therefore being a respecter of persons? This is the number one reason, number one, why people say sovereign grace can't be right. It just can't. Um, John Wesley preached a sermon uh, about Romans chapter 9. He says, whatever it means, it can't mean that. In other words, I don't know what it means, but it cannot mean that because that would make God a respecter of persons. How would we answer to those people? Could we answer to those people? Romans chapter 9 gives us the answer. Romans 9.10 Not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Romans 9 actually asks the question. Doesn't that make God a respecter of persons? That is the thing that he's referring to, right there. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Doesn't that make him a respecter of persons? 
so that it's not of him that willeth or desires it, nor of him that runneth or does the work, but of God that showeth mercy. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for the same purpose, I will raise thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and on whom he will he hardeneth. Does that not make him a respecter of persons? I've had this presented to me. God's not a respecter of persons. So what you believe cannot be true. That will say to him, why doth he yet find fault? Or how can anyone be found guilty? Who hath resisted his will? If people can't choose him, didn't they just do what he made them able to do? Doesn't this make him a respecter of persons? Is exactly what verse 19 of the question is asking. Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Please, God. He can do what he wants, right? He cannot sin. God cannot break his own word. Some people think that when Jesus said that the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath meant that he could just break the Sabbath. That's not what he said at all. In order to be a righteous substitute for us, he could not break the Sabbath in a way that broke the law. He couldn't do it. He's saying, as the Son of Man, I understand, I know what is actually in this law, and what you have added to it is invalid. The things that you say are not from God, they're from you. Good, interesting study on that passage. What if, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endureth with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the ve uh, vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory? Even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles, Favoritism denies justice. Um, that's the point in Romans, uh, Proverbs 28 to 21. To have respect of persons is not good, for for a piece of bread that man will transgress. Give me something, and I will prevent you from getting what you deserve. That desires justice. Everyone deserves hell. Everyone. Jesus took it for some. Nowhere does it say he had to take it for all. <coughs> Nowhere. To say anyone can choose to be saved is cutting corners around 67 passages that say he made the choice. I actually counted. Now these 67 are not 67 verses. It's 67 different places that actually say that God chose. Why did he chose? Because we wouldn't. To say that anyone is able to choose God cuts corners around all those passages just because we don't understand them. John Wesley said, whatever it means, it can't mean that. You know what that told me? He cut corners, just cut it out. Did you know that even today, when um, uh, the Jewish um, uh, teachers, what are they called? 
rabbis. rabbis. The Jewish rabbis in Israel, when they teach Isaiah 53, guess what? They don't. They go from 52 to 54. Just skip it. Cut the corner. It's too much problem. We don't understand it. Just ignore it. It's not that big a deal. We have our whole lives to study Scripture. I wasted the first 30 years of my life because I didn't study. I didn't read. I didn't care. I was going to heaven for 30 years. If we don't try, folks, he doesn't even get a piece of bread from us. I'm going to heaven. Well, what does he get out of the deal? Well, I go to church. How does that help him? Do I tithe? How does that help him? Well, I pray. How does that help him? The one thing that we can do that benefits him is to witness. We cannot witness in heaven. Everybody there already knows. The only way to witness is to know what we're talking about. We have to take time to study. And as we look at how much time on a daily basis, on a daily basis, we could spend 15 minutes looking at one verse. The next day, take 15 minutes with that same verse. The next day, take 15 minutes with that same verse. I'm talking about these troublesome verses, the ones that are hard. If uh, For those Baptists, okay, those that imply you can lose your salvation, study those verses. Don't just ignore them. If we just do it, we're cutting corners. We're wasting what God has purchased, and that is our efforts in sharing the news. It's like having a jigsaw puzzle. How many of you like jigsaw puzzles? Raise your hand. Okay, you're insane. I hate jigsaw puzzles. Even the toddler jigsaw puzzles with six pieces I hate. It's just too much work. It's like having a jigsaw puzzle and putting pieces wherever they look good. Just lay it out and put the pieces out according to color. But leaving space around each one because it's too much work to find out where they really fit. God's Word is in fact a jigsaw puzzle that fits itself. There are no pieces that don't fit. If there's a piece that doesn't fit, like eternal security, for those on, uh, on, uh, on sermon audio, a lot of people say that Baptists, you're sending people to hell because they lost their salvation. You're saying they didn't lose their salvation. To do that, you've got to ignore about 15 verses that teach that you can't lose your salvation. So study those verses. Take 15 minutes every day on that one verse and say, Lord, please show me what this means. Show me how this fits. Please, please, please don't let me just cut corners around it. <clears throat> You'll be surprised at what the Holy Spirit will teach. You'll be surprised. And you might have something that you then can teach. That's fun. That is fun. I want to challenge everyone listening to me, whether in this room or on Sermon Audio, I want to challenge you, if you find a verse in my theology that doesn't fit, please point it out. Please point it out. I'm not going to promise I have the answer, but 
if there's one verse in the whole Bible that does not fit what I believe, I need to change what I believe because I'm wrong in that one area. Or, we can just say, well, that's what Brother King taught. That's a terrible answer. It's a terrible answer. He that maketh haste, he that hasteth to be rich, hath an evil eye. Being in a hurry to get ahead easily takes our eyes off of Jesus. This doesn't say it's wrong to get wealth. It doesn't say it's wrong to innovate. But to cut corners, which is the theme of the section, to cut corners, that takes our eyes off of Jesus by de definition. And considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. In verse 19, poverty comes from not working. Cutting quarters produces the same result. And this is something we need to stop and consider. If we cut corners, most of the time we get the same result as doing nothing in the first place. Anything that's worth doing is worth doing right. Uh, measure twice, cut once. Measure once, cut twice. That sort of thing. Cutting corners never ever pays. It produces the same result as literally doing nothing. God has designed success to come with learning. Now this is not just employment. This is in any category. Natural gas. Okay. How did my new boss know so much about natural gas? Well, first thing, he did what I didn't do. He went to college. Second thing, he did what I didn't do. He started studying natural gas. Third thing, he did what I didn't do. He actually studied natural gas. Fourth thing, he did what I did. I could go right on down the line with the things that he did that made him qualified to be in that position and make the money that he's making. And trust me, he's making a bunch. God has designed success to come with learning, which takes time. We have time. We choose not to use it. Every single day, I guarantee you there's time that God has put in your day, or my day too, okay, to where we could spend it studying whatever, whether it's, it's but the Scripture or natural gas, but we don't want to do the work. That's what causes the poverty in whatever area. Skipping the work will cause whatever is gained to be used incorrectly due to inexperience. Scripture says that a pastor should not be a novice. A novice means he hasn't done the work yet. Why? Because we get caught up in it due to inexperience. 23. He that rebuketh a man. What is rebuking? There's several different levels of it, but in general, it's correcting someone. Okay? It doesn't have to be mean. The word rebuke implies just yelling. Okay? It's not what it's talking about at all. It's simply correcting someone. He that corrects someone, someone comes to me with a problem, let's say, and um, I show them what the scripture says they need to do. That would be rebuking. Okay? Granted, there's more implied in the different levels, but the bottom line is if I correct a person, show them what they need to do according to Scripture, afterwards, after the correction, later, shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Or I could just side with them and make them feel better. 
How many times has someone come to me with an issue over the years and I just said, you know what, that's really terrible. I'm sorry, that should not have happened to you. Without ever doing any investigation, without ever finding out their half of the story that I didn't hear, without doing any kind of, you know, that, that should not have happened to you, okay? That's flattering. It's just saying, you know what, you don't deserve that. I know you, you would never, ever deserve that. And then a few hours later, the other one comes to me and tells me the other side. Then you gotta say, you know what, that's, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you, that really should, you don't deserve that. So if they both don't deserve it, why is there a problem? There's something that needs to be corrected or we can just flatter and just brush them off. Maybe I go ahead and fix the problem for them. This actually happened. I had a customer at the gas company. I knew this person. She was a relative of someone who went to Park Ridge. And she came up on the cutoff list. She was a single mom. And I thought, this is just not right. It's not right. She's a single mom. She can't afford this. And if I cut her off, I'm going to add $50 onto it as a turn-on fee. And so I knocked on her door. She came to the door. And I said, listen, I said, is there any way that we could figure something out? She said, I don't have it. I just don't have it. She was willing to be cut off and just go without gas. Well, that means no hot water for those babies. And I thought, you know what, Danny, you got the money, just do it. So I went to the gas company and paid the bill out of my own. I, I acted like I was uh, a customer, walked right up to the counter, said, so I want to pay the bill on this account, and I put her back to zero. Put her right back. I should have tried to figure out why she had the problem. Two days later, I found out she was living with a guy that refused to work and drank all her money away. And the money I put in for the gas just put more money so that he could drink. He that rebuketh a man afterwards shall find more favor than he that flattereth with the tongue. Later, the problem happens again because the real issue was never corrected. Just corners were cut. Proverbs 27, and we're just about done, five. Open rebuke is better than secret love because it solves problems. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kiss of an enemy are deceitful because of the result that's produced. Let's stop right there. Father, thank you so much for this section that shows us why it's important not to cut corners. Help us not to just get the problem out of the way, but help us to solve what the real issue is, particularly when it comes to studying the Bible. Help us to help each other. Help us to be loving and caring and willing to listen and willing to teach, but keep us from being so insecure that we've got to get mean about it. Please keep us from getting mean about any of these issues. There's a right way to do things, and then there's cutting the corners, and that's always something that's not going to work. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.